A true Christian walk is obeying where we have revelation of the walk, but it might seem to contradict what we cannot explain. A true revelation of God will take us somewhere. If we truly are obedient to it, it'll take us into a place that we cannot explain. Only through the revelation of God can we walk it. Let's re release the kids quickly. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do an offering a little different, but let's release the kids. Up to, is it nine years old? Up to ten, up to ten. They can go downstairs. There's also a... For people that have been part of serving, like volunteering in the church, there's a dinner, a barbecue for us. If you've been uh, serving in the church, you, you've probably been asked by your life group to be at the dinner downstairs. If you haven't talked to your life group leader and, and uh, huh? or department heads, yeah, yeah, talk with them. Obedience is supposed to be expensive. It actually costs us something. Obedience to be part of church costs you time, costs you effort, but increases productivity in all areas of life. We need to hold on to what he has shown us and to obey what he has commanded us. That we live faith in the midst of unanswerable questions. That no matter what happens today, we live in faith and we are not shaken by the things of this day. It is actually our privilege to be a believing believer in the midst of a culture of unbelief. It's our privilege to be a believing believer. A lot of people are believers but not believing believers. It's easy to be a believer. Well, I said the sinner's prayer 35 years ago. Well, what have you done since? Well, I said the sinner's prayer. A believing believer never is idle and stationary in the presence of God. They're always advancing and moving forward. That's a true believing believer of Jesus Christ. That is the army that rises up. Because outside this world, there's a lot of unbelief outside these doors. If we step into the culture of unbelief that is around us and we, we call ourselves a believer, then we're a believer without truly believing if we step into the culture of unbelief. Truly believing is a privilege that we must embrace it and be able to say, I embrace my faith in Jesus Christ. And I don't run from it. Because if I run from my true foundational faith and understanding of Jesus and Father God and Holy Spirit, then I immediately start to move into unbelief. If I believe that the mountain is too big for me to climb, then I immediately start to move into unbelief. If I believe that the valley of the shadow of sickness and death is too big for me to walk through, then I immediately start to walk into unbelief and I become a believer, Christian, without truly believing. No Christian should be unmoved by the Lord's questions. In Luke chapter 8, 8, the second part of verse 8 in, in Luke chapter 18, it says, When the Son of Man comes, will he truly, will he find anyone with faith on this earth? You see, God desires our mind to be offended. He desires that our own concepts 
of how things should happen get offended. In other words, be transformed to the renewing of the mind. Because honestly, I have seen so many miracles of the Lord that I cannot explain. And I've chosen to not need to understand. I've chosen to believe in the sovereignty of God, that His way is the highway. His way is the best way. His way is my way. But there's many diversities in an offended mind. The offended mind releases great power. It really does. In other words, you understand what I say on offended mind. What I'm saying is that our own human mindset gets offended. The offended mind releases great power in both bad ways and good ways. If our mind is only offended by the sin of the world, then sin will become our focus. They're such a sinner. I can't believe they live like that. Are you offended? Of course I'm offended. That sin offends me. Yeah, but if you live in the offense of sin, then you put sin as a priority over freedom, over salvation. I'm not saying that things shouldn't offend you, but if you live in the culture of the offense of the sin, then your mind is being offended in the wrong way, not the right way. If our mind is offended at other Christians, then the offense of other Christians will become our focus. He <laughs> should get so offended by other believers or Christians. Do you know what they said about me? Seriously? I would literally let their offense offend me to where my focus became what they were offended at. <laughs> and then I had a revelation. I'm actually not here to make everyone happy and love me. I'm here to preach the gospel of truth. Jesus Christ didn't come in for a love fest. He came in as a two-edged sword to divide evil and good and separate it as a clear line. And boy, do we need some clear lines in our society right now. And we need clear lines in our churches right now because there are some churches that are getting very faded, fuzzy lines on biblical truths. If our mind is offended at bad government, then the bad government will become our focus. Listen to my heart. If sin offends us, which it should, our focus cannot be on the sin. Our focus has to be on living life sinless. If the government is making bad decisions and it offends us, our focus must not be on the offense. If our focus is on the offense, then our reactions will become part 
of an offense. I'm offended with them, so I will offend them. Years ago, I think I got two mics. I'm using both, aren't I? I don't have one turned on. Two, one, two. Every time I hold a mic, I sweat here. It's like, huh. I used to let the offense of someone against me release me to give offense towards them. Oh, I would tell everybody that I could. That is not the offended mind I'm talking about. That is the wrong side of an offended mind. Jesus never won a victory by focusing on what was wrong. Jesus never won a victory by focusing on what was wrong. He never went after the things that were wrong. All he did was he was a truth sword, two-edged, and he lived light and darkness had to flee. If he got wrapped up only once did he go offensive against Pharisees, Sadducees and call them hypocrites because they were plotting against him, but he didn't even do it to the people that were trying to kill him. If we're offended with the government, get elected and change it. Be light in a dark world. But do not focus on the darkness or the darkness will become your priority. And if the darkness becomes your priority, then your light stops shining because you get offended by darkness and you live in an offended mindset on the wrong side of the offended mind. The offended mind I'm talking about, I'm gonna say it again, is very clear to me. that I can't let the things of this world, I can't let my own seminary training, I can't let my own human theologies dictate the revelation of this. That when I open this word, this living word of God, open the verse I'm going to read it but will God indeed dwell with men on the earth behold heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot come cannot contain you O God how much less this temple which I have built you see this temple that we're building here this temple inside of us this is the temple of God it's not this building the temple of God inside of us cannot contain him in his entirety so my understanding of this book cannot contain his entirety and i had to realize and come to a decision years ago that i am going to lose my mind when i read this word that i'm going to lose my understanding when i read this word 
And all of a sudden, the scripture came to light in such a new way. I'm not talking about changing the fundamentals of the word of God. Absolutely not. I'm talking about not having to know his way. Always. I don't know his way. Other than he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning from the end. As far as the east is from the west, which is an infinite. That's what I know about him. I know that he first loved me so much that while the foundations of the earth were being created, he knew me. And while I was in my mother's womb, Jeremiah 1.5, he sanctified me. That's what I know. I know that he loved me so, so much that in my deepest, darkest sins, fighting against this God that I grew up with in my house, that when I slid at 90 miles an hour on I-5 just south of Bellingham off my motorcycle, that I should have died that day, October 22nd, 1982. But I didn't. I got up and walked away from it. And we dedicated my life to the Lord. And said, God, did you have to wreck my bike to get my attention? Yes, is what I heard. Because your bike was getting more attention than me. Your job, your business, the government of Canada is getting more attention than God in your life. We got a problem. Jesus' battle was not to change what was wrong. His victory was to bring and be what was right. Rise up. Get elected. And help us change our country. But in the meantime, be the light that's not being snuffed out by offense of the sins of this world. Matthew 13, verses 53 to 58. And now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, Jesus came back to his home area that he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished at what Jesus said. Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? They didn't even grasp who this man was at the time. Verse 55. Oh, is this not the carpenter's son? Like the little Jesus that was running around that we all know? See, Jesus' name. Watch what I say. It sounds terrible. The name J-E-S-U-S is not holy. There's a ton of them all through Central America and South America. Jesus, there's a lot of Jesuses. 
It wasn't the name, J-E-S-U-S, listen to my heart, that made Jesus holy. And it wasn't just the name that was high and lifted up until, until he walked in such a light that he hung on that cross, died, and rose again. It's not my name that's holy or lifted up. It's not your name, but yet you're named in heaven. They all know you. They all know us. Watching in anticipation to walk in truth and not in offense. To walk in love and not in hatred. To walk in forgiveness and not in unforgiveness. To not focus on things that are wrong, but instead focus on the blessing of God in our life now, today. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. They were astonished at what he said. Verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Jose, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Verse 57. And so they chose to live, make a decision on the wrong side of an offended mind. They let their mind be offended that surely for goodness sake, little Jesus couldn't be the one everyone's talking about. Surely, for goodness sake, your children couldn't be the ones that change this nation. Surely, for goodness sake, the grandbabies won't become the greatest preachers and presidents and prime ministers. Surely not. Not the little ones, the little kids downstairs in Windward. Are you kidding me? What are they going to amount to? Well, let me tell you what they'll amount to. More than many people give them credit for. Just because we might not have a gift of seeing in the supernatural doesn't mean those little kids don't because I'll guarantee you pretty much every child sees in the supernatural realm greater than many of us will. So they were offended at Jesus and Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I want to ask you here today. If we stay focused on the problems of the world, I'm not saying we don't intercede, we don't pray, but if we go after the problems of the world, God has already created, and God says do it, then God has already created you to be a solution. But the victories are never usually by trying to go after the problems. The victories are always given by hearing the call in your life and being who you're called to be. 
because if you stay focused on solving the problems of the world, you're not going to be the right one. We have to stay focused on the call of God in our lives to be light no matter what happens. And that's why someone, like I mentioned last Sunday, Billy Graham with a speech impediment struggled in, high, in, in school because he stuttered so bad. I guarantee you everybody around him would have never, ever, ever expected him to be one of the greatest evangelists of the world. But you see, Billy... He heard the Lord. And he didn't let the offended ideas change his destiny. And he didn't focus on what he couldn't do. He focused on what God told him to do. I encourage us here this morning. Change Canada with light. But not with darkness fighting darkness. Change windward with light, not with offense, with light. Be because you are windward. <laughs> I'm Brent with my wife Sharon. We are the ministry of God whatever name's attached to it. We are the ministry of God. So that the whole family will rise up, every son and every daughter in this house and all the new ones that are waiting to yet find truth, looking for somebody to live truth, to invite them to find truth. That's how we grow. That's how we become a family. Imagine if my kids never looked for a spouse or a husband. I wouldn't have four beautiful grandbabies in the last three years. I thank the Lord that they were living in light and they found someone else living in light. And the two lights came together. Ooh. Be light. Don't focus on darkness. Be truth. Don't listen to lies. Be love. Don't live in hatred. Be victory and never live in defeat. Be the living Word of God. And expect that the seven mountains of society that every chief CEO is going to come out of this family. That the wealth of the nations will come from this house. That people will rise up. The businesses will become so successful that millions upon millions of dollars will be here to feed the homeless, to go out into the world and preach the gospel. Expect that somebody and people in this house will be teachers of the word and teachers to the people. That people in this house will be pastors to the word and pastors to the people. That people in this house will be evangelists, mighty evangelists to the world and evangelists to their own families in this house. That there will be mighty in our mighty prophets being raised up in this house. 
to be prophets to the world, but prophets of God to speak the truth and the presidents and the prime ministers and to this house. And there will be great apostles and are great apostles that have been risen up in this ministry to be apostles sent ones to the outer reaches of this world, this nation, this valley, this city, and our homes. Expect that you are one of them. And anything to the contrary, you're listening to a lie of the devil. You are one of the chosen ones. Anything other than that thought is a lie of the enemy. Do not listen to it and do not live in it. You are fire of his presence and his glory. You walk in his name and you walk in his power. You walk in his authority and you walk in his authority. You are not poor. You are a son, a daughter of the king. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I tell you what, you better receive him right now. If you're on TV watching right now, you better say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. I believe in you right now. Because you don't know your time. You don't know your day. You don't know your hour. You don't even know your minutes. If we don't get it, and we lose the whole generation. And there is no more time to sit on our big butts or little ones and do nothing. You do not have that option while you do, but it's not to be. It's a privilege that we're given. It's a privilege that we're given to know and be loved by the creator of this universe. You think Elon Musk is a big deal. No, the creator of this universe makes Elon Musk look like a little ant. We think Trump's a big deal. No, no, the creator of this universe is what we're talking about here. Next weekend, my wife and I were up in Alberta, ministering with a good friend of ours, Stacy Campbell. And then northern Alberta. And then we're driving all over the place. What do you mean you're driving? Look at the fuel prices. Boy, if I live my life on fuel prices.
I live my life on inflation, if I live my life on bank uh, interest rates, if I live my life on the cost of housing, if I live my life on the, the decisions of our government, if I live my life on everything outside of God and his ultimate plan, I would have never gotten anything done. Because who in their right mind would have given up all of their businesses that were highly, highly profitable to go on the sailboat for crying out loud and preach the gospel of Jesus to where we didn't even know we were going, but we knew to go. like the priest is praying, singing in the upper room because we are priests kings sons princes and princesses just so we understand prince is a male princess is a female. And if you don't know what female is, hire another elected official. If you know what I mean. Man, that voice is amazing. I hear angels singing. Could we bring in uh, some offering buckets? Let's just put them on the platform. We're just going to leave them up here. You guys do what you want to do. You know what? It's interesting. I actually sense in my spirit. Go ahead, put one on each corner, one over there, one over there. Here, put one in my pocket. No, I'm... I said that to offend you and offend all the offended ones out there. You're kidding me. <laughs> I actually believe, and very rarely have you ever heard me say this in an offering. Mind you, very rarely have we had a service quite like this with the offerings at the end as well, but I actually believe that today we're going to sow into revival in this area, in this valley, in this province, and in this nation, and in the nations of this world. I truly believe it. I actually believe... You know, I, I read, I don't know why it all popped up lately on my social media about people that, that, that don't believe tithing is new covenant. And you know what? There's some truth to that in the sense that it actually 100%, not 10%, is what you should give. That's actually a new covenant. But most people don't want to go that extreme because most people that fight for 10% are definitely not going 100. I actually feel that today, if you're in this house, you should give a tithe. Whatever that tithe means, 10%. Give an offering. But what the Lord says to you, not what you think you can, but what the Lord says. I encourage you, because I truly believe we're going to step out of a box mentality of poverty thinking, and we're going to move into a greater level of prosperity in our minds. Because if our minds think prosperity, I guarantee you, if we live, I'm not talking prosperity of money in our minds. I'm not talking that. I'm not saying focus on money. I'm talking about prosperity. 
Everyone counters prosperity with money. No, no, no. Prosperity is a good marriage. Prosperity is good kids. Prosperity is grandkids that love the Lord. Prosperity is a great service. Prosperity is everything good from God. That's prosperity. Everything good from the Lord is prosperity that we are ordained to receive. But I actually believe, because I'm actually awake a lot this summer, pretty much the whole summer, but I'm away a lot. I'm going after the miracles that are going to happen here. So we're sowing in to what God wants to do. And you know what? I say, let her happen. Go after it, oh God. We're here to go after you, oh God, in such a mighty way, in a magnificent way. And we're going to stand on this word because the truth liberates us. It sets us free. It brings light into darkness. What is it we sang? The darkness trembles. Yeah, it actually, I like that song. I'm going to go a little farther. The darkness already is trembling. But when you live in light, it actually flees, runs away, gets out of there. Now, if you've got a lot of darkness in your life and you start to show light, then yeah, the darkness starts to tremble. The devil's a loser. You're a winner. Is it winner, winner, chicken dinner or something like that they say? You're a winner. Live like one. Act like one. And be one. You're a prince. You're a princess. Live like one. Believe like one. Make decisions like one. Act like one. Because that's who you are. You're a son and a daughter of a king. Father God, we thank you for your amazing love, your amazing grace. We thank you, Lord God, for your word that we stand on, for the revelation of your word that every day is a new day for us, Father. We thank you for this day, and we have making choices here this morning that we are going to make choices that how we came in, we are going out uh, holier. We're going out more righteous, right doing things. We're going to go out and we're going to sow into the harvest because the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. It is time for the harvest to be brought into the house of God. It is time that your neighbors, your sons, your daughters, your aunties, and your uncles get brought into the house of God. Now is the time. In Jesus' name.
Father, I thank you that you never saw us wretched. <laughs> Even in our worst times and seasons in our lives, you never looked at us wretched or as a loser. You looked at us, us with eyes of love. A love that knew our destiny and knows our destiny. And I ask, oh Lord, today that we become destiny. Destiny changers. Because what changes our destiny is our obedience to the call. I ask, Father God, that the teachers will rise up. I ask, O oh Lord, that the pastors will rise up. I ask, Father, that the evangelists will rise up. I ask, O oh God, that the prophets will rise up. I ask, O oh God, that the apostles will rise up. I ask, oh God, that the family of Windward and all of the Windward families, over a hundred of them around this world, will rise up. For this is the day that you have made. And in this day, we rejoice and we celebrate in it. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we will mount up with wings as eagles. And we're going to soar so high above all the junk. Because you created this day, O oh Lord. For every one of us to breathe in this day. Not to breathe to sit and do nothing, but to breathe and fill our lungs with the oxygen of His presence and His Holy Spirit and go out and live, run, walk in the victory of Jesus Christ and not be weary. All weariness, go now in Jesus' name. We don't deserve and we're not called to live in weariness. Let the supernatural strength and the supernatural fire indwell in us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord God, for the helpers and the servers, the volunteers of this ministry, even as they go and gather downstairs for a lunch. We pray, Father, let your blessing bestow upon each one, each one here that wants to be involved and, and get involved to help 
build his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to help us build all that God has called into this house, called the vision of each of you to be a part of the vision that God has given into this house uh, so we can be a family that walks in fire, that walks in power, that walks in authority throughout the, the countries of this world. I thank you, O Lord, that this is your mandate. This is your vision and passion for us. Bless each one. Bless each house, each apartment. Whether you're single, divorced, married, family, children, grandbabies, I ask blessing upon each one. group please come down if you're interested in volunteering or something talk with one of us maybe we'd love to have you come down too for a bite to eat if you're not involved with volunteering or helping in some capacity please do because it's obedience of the Lord it's obedience of God we love you all have most amazing week excited about next weekend here in the house already it's gonna be amazing Bless you all. Amen.